0: Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening, this is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening, and I'm Lux, at least that's what I keep telling people, and I'm a little bit late uploading this podcast because I was up all night partying from the Taylor Swift concert, baby! Yeah, that's actually not true. I'm more like the guy... Who would be in your high school class telling you how much he doesn't like Taylor Swift, despite the fact that no one asked. I'm so interesting, everybody. Check out my Rate Your Music account, okay? It's really cool! Anyway, this is where I typically plug the social medias. However, that is all kind of up in the air at the moment, because, I don't know, people want to move to another Twitter or something, even though the other Twitter is, like, way worse. I signed up for it, but it's you have to have an Instagram account. And Instagram is really weird. I've tried making an Instagram account before, and I used it for a while, and then I got banned for literally no reason. I promise you I did not do anything. I I know that I'm not the best person in the world, but I really did not do anything. They just banned me for no reason. So I made another account, and that has been fine so far. But then I also kind of do some other stuff where it's like, I have to separate my own quote-unquote real-life stuff with the kind of weird degenerate anime kind of stuff that I have going on. So I have another account, and it's freaking complicated, okay? Why do we have to do this? I don't like moving social media. Why can't we just be in one place and live with that forever? I hate you, Elon Musk! So for the time being, let's just continue using Twitter, at Royal Deluxe Pod, that's the podcast Twitter, and at TheMFNKC, that's my Twitter. That's my personal Twitter, where I post Immaculate Grid. It was a difficult one today. Who in the hell has ever played for the Rockies and the Tigers? So what do we got to talk about today? Not a whole lot has happened. Well, I guess a a few things have happened. As usual, a few things have happened. Since we last spoke on Monday. So we've got a couple of roster moves to talk about. As well as a new injury. That is. Befallen the Royals. Is that, a, is that a, the proper use of the word befallen? Is befallen even a word? I don't know. But I used it anyway. I'll invent that. And then we, we've also got to talk about. Well, first of all, we got to talk about the Twins series as well as the beginning of the Guardians series. The Royals are already in progress of a four-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. Frankly, not too much to say about that, but we'll make a quick mention of it anyway. And more importantly, we got to look ahead to the MLB Draft. That is occurring starting on Sunday, and it'll go for a couple of days into Tuesday. But Sunday will be the first day of the draft, which is, of course, when they make the highest level picks. So the Royals, they pick 8th, 44th, and 66th with their first two rounds, plus an extra compensatory pick, extra compensation pick at the end of the second round. That will be revealed on Sunday night. So, I'll talk about what I may be hoping for or expecting with this draft come Sunday night. And then Monday, of course, we will talk about the guys that did get drafted. Or at least we'll give like a very, very quick reaction to it. Maybe I'll do a live reaction or something. I don't know. And then, of course, we'll talk about the rest of the Cleveland Guardians series that the Royals are already playing. And will continue to play through Sunday. And as a matter of fact, those will be the last games that they play. I wanted to be dramatic until next Thursday because there's the All-Star break. Wait, no, scratch that. It'll be Friday when the Royals come back. So they'll be off for 4 days, so will pretty much everyone else in MLB except for those who were of course invited to play in the All-Star game. So, roster moves. There were actually a few roster moves made over the last few days. There were two at once on I think July 4th celebrating America's independence by moving around a few Royals. We love it. And uh, those were Jonathan Heasley got called up to Kansas City. The Jay Heasy was, of course, a Kansas City Royal. Last year, he came up and at first was looking like a pleasant surprise and then kind of fell off, posted a 5.28 ERA overall in the season. So he was not good, though I guess not completely embarrassingly terrible, which was an improvement over some things, I guess, it feels like. I feel like at this point, I would like to have a guy with a 5280 ERA in this rotation. That would be a small improvement over some of the guys we have to deal with right now. And he was looking like someone who would compete for a rotation spot going into this season. Didn't look good in spring training, so that didn't happen. And he hasn't looked good in AAA Omaha either. 7.51 ERA in 74.1 innings pitch. Yeah. All, and, and in fact, he was moved out of the rotation, it seems, and then pitched out of the bullpen for a couple of games. Looked like he was a little bit better there, so he got called up, pitched an inning in relief against the Minnesota Twins on July 4th and struck out two batters and was a perfect inning. Okay, maybe there's something there. I mean, of course, we would like it for Jonathan Heasley to be a good MLB starter, but hey, if you can't do that, might as well be a good reliever. Because being a good reliever is better than being nobody, I suppose. And the corresponding move for this is that Austin Cox... Was optioned to AAA Omaha. This actually perplexes me. I'm not really sure why they did this. Maybe it was just a matter of um, like rotation crunch. Because I was saying on Monday's episode that I had I wasn't really sure what the Royals were going to do with the rotation um, because Alec Marsh was called up, but he was only really called up because Jordan Lyles was sick and had to miss a start, and I feel like. Maybe it would be fair for Alec Marsh to stay in the majors for a little bit. You know, I don't I don't think it would be very helpful for him to just be bouncing across levels over and over again. So maybe this is their solution. They sent down Austin Cox. I kind of don't like that, though, because I, I think Austin Cox should stay in the rotation. And for what it's worth, he hasn't been very good in the rotation in his two opportunities so far. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're going to work on. Maybe maybe they know that there's something they need to work on with him, and they're going to get it done in AAA Omaha. And also, the other move that was made on the same day is Michael Massey came back from the 15 or was it? Yeah, I think it was a 15 day injured list. He had a lacerated finger that also got infected. I, I hear. Ooh, not very good there. And the corresponding move is that Samad Taylor was optioned to AAA Omaha. And this is unfortunate, but I kinda get it. Uh, Samad Taylor was he 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 was great for the for his very first day in Kansas City. He had a walk-off single, won the game for us, and he hasn't really done much of anything since then, hitting 133 with a 270 on base. Yeah, Um. unfortunately, we do need a little bit more right there. And also striking out a fair amount, 26% of the time. Even though it's only been a few games, it's only been 12 games, but still. So far, like that, that one highlight that Samad Taylor has posted is the only highlight he's had in, in the majors so far. So it, it does, unfortunately, make sense to move him down, send him down to Omaha and get a little bit more work done over there. Especially since we think that Michael Massey can be the legitimate second baseman, the starting second baseman of the future for this team. So then, a couple days after that, or maybe a day or two ago, another move was made. Zach Garenke was placed on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder tendinitis. He exited his start on, when was this, Wednesday, I think it was. Um... Yeah, I think the no it was, uh, it was Tuesday. My apologies. And um yeah, Zach Granke got injured. The kind of good news is that it wasn't a very serious injury. In fact, Q had said that it wouldn't even require an IL stint at first, like initially after the game. He's like, "Yeah, he's he's pretty much fine," but then they, you know, sent him on the injured list. And the other good news potentially is that this is Pretty much the best possible time to go on the injured list because the team is going to have a four game break, a four day break next week. So, really, this is only going to remove one or two starts from Zach Granke this season. So, hopefully, this doesn't completely ruin the progress he was making towards 3,000 strikeouts. Hopefully, we can still get that this season. Although at the same time, I also feel like I feel like Zach is gonna be one of those guys who just stops at like two thousand nine hundred ninety or something. He'll be just short. he'll be just short of that mark and then he'll be like, "Eh, whatever." <laughs> I do kind of think that he's gonna be retiring at the end of the season, unfortunately, just because the way he's pitching the way he knows he's pitching it just it just kind of seems like really might be time for this guy, and it's it's sad, admittedly, but we had a good run. Hey, maybe he'll come back from the injured list and it'll be like last year when he got injured where, you know, he was looking not very good for a while. And then he got he got injured and we were all freaking out like, oh, my God, is, is this the end of Zach Greinke's career? No. And then he came back and had a fantastic season for the rest of the time. Maybe that can happen again. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. In the corresponding move for that, Dylan Coleman was called up to the Kansas City Royals. Dylan Coleman is a guy that we thought would really strengthen the back end of this bullpen. Someone who could maybe close when Scott Barlow eventually gets traded away, which is definitely going to happen in a couple of weeks. However, he uh, was looking really bad to start the season. And so they optioned him to A Omaha, and he's posted a 4.26 ERA in 19 innings pitched there. So that's not too bad. However, he's been walking more than one batter per inning. Yeah. Dylan Coleman has been walking 10.4 batters per nine innings. He's also striking out over 16 at the same time, but the walks. <laughs> I mean, you 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 just can't survive with that kind of walk rate. Don't really know what the deal is there. Maybe the Royals think that this is that there's an improvement going on or something of the sort because his last few appearances in AAA going back to June 13th, he's actually been okay. He, he had one outing where he gave up three walks, and aside from that, uh, six outings and then two walks combined for all of those other ones. So it's kind of like one bad outing over the past month or so and then the rest was fine so maybe the royals think that there is an improvement there and then he pitched on the fifth against the twins gave up an earned run walked a batter struck out two batters and gave up a hit so i guess it wasn't a terrible outing it also sounds like they found his velocity again so that's good we'll just kind of have to Pray that Dylan Coleman can uh, step up again because, like I said, Scott Barlow is leaving real, real soon. We already lost Chapman. I don't know what's going to happen to this bullpen once both of those guys leave. We really need someone. I mean, Carlos Hernandez is fine, but again, we need someone else. Taylor Clark has been just terrible lately. But, uh, speaking of minor leaguers... Where in the world is Tucker Wade Bradley? Tucker Bradley actually got to play a lot this week. This is amazing. I've never seen this before. He got to play six games over the last week. Woo! He had 24 plate appearances and hit 208. With with no walks, five strikeouts. Oh. But, hey... On Sunday, and I said this when we when I was recording on Sunday that he hit a three run home run on on that day, and also he had a triple somewhere else in the week, and also interestingly enough, a two twenty two BABIP. So you know what? I'm not worried at all. He, he that was just an unlucky week for him. I'm enjoying the power surge. Let's go, Tucker Bradley. Nah, he, he he's fine. It, it, this wasn't a bad week. It was just unlucky. That's it. Oh, and also small side rant. rant um. The uh, so usually when I do my minor league scouting or whatever you want to call it for you know trade ideas things like that I go and read FanGraphs because FanGraphs I think has a combination of accessibility and in depthness that you don't really get anywhere else like ML Pipeline is also good it's very accessible it's a free website but I don't think they're as in depth and other places like Baseball Prospectus and Baseball America are paywalled. So I don't really get those because I can only pay for so many monthly subscriptions at one time, everybody. Why does everybody need to have a monthly subscription? Anyway, finally, in July, Fangraphs posted their top prospects for the Kansas City Royals. I say in July, like I say this all sarcastically because that's supposed to be posted in the preseason. I don't know what's going on over there, but in any case, uh, they posted theirs for the Royals. No Tucker Bradley, therefore invalid list. I saw lots of people like complain like, oh man, this is such a damning article about the Royals. No, it's an inaccurate article about the Royals. It doesn't even have Tucker Bradley on there, okay? Get out of here. Don't talk to me with that kind of nonsense. Also, Preston of Royals Review, a.k.a. at Royals Minors, posted an article about why the article kind of sucks, so... Go read that guy's sort of takedown on the article on Royals Review if you want to know more. But number one gripe, no Tucker Bradley. Just, just nonsense. So the Royals, after a very, very good series against the Los Angeles Dodgers last weekend, promptly lost four games in a row. To the Minnesota Twins, they got swept in a three-game series against them, including a complete game shutout by the hand of Pablo Lopez, which, for what it's worth, I did kind of say Twins have a really, really good rotation. And I was saying Pablo Lopez especially. I'm like, this guy's a 4.2 ERA. He does not pitch like a 4.2 ERA guy. Do not underestimate him. I suppose the Royals may have underestimated him. Because they decided to strike out 12 times against him. Four hits. No walks. 100 pitches. It was almost a Maddox. Or is it still a Maddox if it's 100 pitches? I thought a Maddox was less than 100 pitches. Hmm. Someone might want to correct me on this. Or (laughs) fact-checked. Fact-checked. Fact-check me on that. It was just a bad series overall. The one game they were kind of close in was on Monday. It actually did look like the Royals had a good chance of winning three games in a row for the first time all season on July 3rd. And then Taylor Clark came out to pitch. Gave up five runs. Why has Taylor Clark decided... To just be that guy for this team. Like, anything that is possibly going well with the Royals, it's like he is sent out to specifically ruin everything. Where, like, everyone's like, hey, Taylor Clark's surprisingly great reliever this year. He could be a good trade piece. Nope. Yeah, I'm going to have a 20 ERA just because y'all decided to say that. Okay, we're going to win three games in a row for the first time this season. Nope. I'm going to have the worst outing imaginable just to throw chances of that away what did we do to you man come on is it is it because i called you less sleepy blake snell it was a compliment although he's not the only one who's seemingly trying to sabotage the royals and trade value or something like that amir garrett is back and something exceedingly rare happened on thursday jordan lyles pitched a good game What? And I'm not even saying, oh, he pitched a good game for Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles pitched five innings and gave up one run. He struck out five batters. Huh? Like, Nani? What is that? So it's like, oh, wow, Jordan Lyles actually pitched a a good game. All we need is for the bullpen to, you know, just kind of lock this down. Although for what it's worth, the Guardians have a really, really good bullpen. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, still, small little success right there. And then Amir Garrett comes out and gives up four runs. Amir, we are trying to trade you to a good team. Can you please not do that again? Look, buddy, I actually really appreciate you. I think you have been incredibly valuable to this team, to this clubhouse. And for those reasons, you deserve to play for a good team. So please, don't have any more bad outings, and let us trade you to a team that's actually good, so we can get a 35-grade prospect from someone else that will probably turn into nothing after two years. Okay? Is that too much to ask for? So that's why, you know, I say that there isn't a whole lot to talk about with this uh, these last four games. They kind of sucked. Oh well. Let's move on and look ahead into the far future, into a possible timeline where the Royals might be good, depending on what they do, on Sunday. So we're looking into the far future, but we're also looking into, like, the next two days, really. So on Sunday, the the MLB draft is happening, it's occurring, and the Royals will be on the board pretty early. Or I guess they're on the clock. Isn't that the term? Yeah, I know. I know terms. I watch sports ball sometimes. I attended the NFL draft this season. No, I didn't. Um. Anyway, the Royals are going to pick eighth. So they're picking a little bit high in the draft. Uh, Not as high as we hoped because, you know, they lost 97 games last season. And Rob Manfred saved baseball by... Adding a draft lottery so that teams could be incentivized to not tank, which totally worked as the A's continued to shed payroll and announced that they're moving to Las Vegas. Common Manfred W right there. So, Royals, even though they probably should have picked fourth or so, they instead get to pick eighth. And this was seemingly a really good year where there was like a, a top five at. Most of those guys would be number ones or number twos in any given year. Really good year to to pick fifth. <sighs> if you don't love getting screwed over by the entire league, you don't love Royals baseball. And this also sucks maybe a little bit harder because the Royals get an extra draft pick most every year. Every year where they're not a good team, so every year um they get an extra draft pick for you know not being a good team lots of teams get this the the bad teams low revenue teams they get extra draft picks um just for either not being very successful playing in a disadvantageous and disadvantageous market seemingly it's usually like i don't know ten to twenty teams that kind of get an extra draft pick and these are split between a couple of rounds there's a pool of teams that get to pick right after the first round, in between the first and second rounds, so basically the 30s, and then there's another pool that gets to pick between the second and the third rounds, so the 60s generally. So, and the way this is balanced is that every year the pools swap. So the Royals this year are they get that they get their extra draft pick between the second and third rounds, not between the first and second rounds. That would be last year when they were able to do that, although technically they didn't because they actually traded that extra draft pick for Drew Waters and a couple of other prospects. So all even years, Royals get an extra draft pick after the first round and right before the second round. Every odd year, they get an extra pick between the second and third rounds. So, it's definitely good that, you know, they get an extra pick just in general, because that can really help add to the talent pool in this farm system. But it also sucks that, you know, they move down in the draft lottery. Technically, that means this extra pick also moves down, and it's also just in a later year than it would be in other years. So, it's just like, eh, it's just like double, triple jeopardy right there. Just just annoying, just kind of irritating, but... It is what it is. We we gotta. I don't know. Don't don't hate the player. Don't hate the game. Or or, is it, or maybe the other way around. We gotta. We just gotta deal with this. So everybody is talking about who the Royals should go and target, and draft eighth overall. And there is one name that is popping up a lot. A lot of mock drafts are saying that this guy should be picked around there. When looking at draft rankings, this guy is generally listed around here and that is the right-handed prep pitcher, Noble Meyer. Many say that Royals are closely tied with him. They really like this guy. And for what it's worth, he is considered pretty much unanimously to be the best high school pitcher available in the draft. And, you know, many experts who know a lot more about the draft in college baseball or, or uh, high school baseball than me are saying that, yeah, this guy... Getting picked in the late, in the late uh, single digits makes sense. Probably would happen. He does have that talent. He's 18 years old, but he's six foot five and is already throwing around 97, 98, even touching triple digits at times. And he has a pretty good slider already, and is working on a changeup. So people are saying that this guy, this guy is going to be like an ace if he develops well. But the thing is, he's a high school pitcher. And out of all the players that you can draft, those are the least likely to be successfully developed because pitchers in general extremely volatile. We all know how it goes. Pitchers just usually can't be relied upon to stay healthy. So you're really playing some uh, some unlikely odds with this guy. And keeping him healthy throughout his entire career in general, I don't know. Like, you're practically expecting a pitcher to get Tommy John at any point, and then what happens after that injury? Especially if that injury were to happen relatively early into his professional career. Like, if he was only 19 or 20 and had to go under the knife, and then is just missing out on some really, really precious developmental years where, you know, you, you'd want this guy to be pitching... Along with his body growing, because that's what you're that's what you're banking on when you get a high school player. Like you're banking on someone still developing physically, whereas college players, you know, they're already there, basically. So here's my thoughts on Noble Meyer in general. I mean, obviously, if if the Royals want to take this guy, then I'm going to root for him. I'm going to, you know, respect him and say, yeah, okay, let's see how this goes. I'll put my faith in the Royals. I'll hope for the best because I'm a fan of this team. That's what I do. But I will dislike the pick in a logical sense because what I see in Noble Meyer, what I think Noble Meyer is, is he's what I would call a swag pick. He's someone who is just one of those high-variance prospects where if if all goes well, you're going to have an amazing player on your hands. But there is a very, very strong chance that this will not go so well. In fact, there is probably an equally likely chance that this guy won't even make the majors. And then it's just a flat-out wasted pick. And the Royals really cannot afford to have a miss in this draft. They cannot afford to whiff this year. A swag pick is, is, is... is. The ultimate example of a swag pick, I think, would be Bubba Starling. Bubba Starling was a very, very similar sort of guy. Everyone was like, okay, if this guy develops well, the Royals are going to have an MVP caliber player on their team. But if he doesn't, yeah, it's not going to be looking very good. However, that pick made sense in 2011 because the Royals, at that point, had basically the best farm system in the entire history of the world. So they could afford. To The Royals right now have a very, very concerning or just outright bad farm system, which is why they can't afford to miss with this one. So, personally, I mean, I respect the upside and I would be excited by it, but I am just really, really just untrustworthy of the Royals to get this right, I guess. I think they need to play this draft... A little more cautiously, maybe more conservatively, and get a lower variance guy. Just get a guy that you can feel confident in being a solid player at the MLB level. Maybe they won't be a a top 20 prospect or anything, but they can still be solid. They'll be a guy that you want in your organization. Maybe they'll make the top 100 and be like ranked 85th or so. Nothing wrong with that. Gavin Cross, honestly, was basically that. And I know Gavin Cross hasn't been great this year, so far. At least he wasn't in the very beginning of the season. He's doing better now. But yeah, Gavin Cross would be like... the the Gavin Cross is the safe route. And I want the Royals to do that again this season. Now, that being said, I have kind of a comical opinion of the draft that you don't have to take seriously if you don't want to. Because frankly, for what it's worth, I don't know too much about all this stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the College World Series or anything like that. I don't really look at amateur ball or anything like that. Um, There are lots of people who do look at this and they are way smarter than me about this. I'm not even going to pretend to know what I'm talking about. But what I do know is that the last several drafts have been... The exact opposite of what everybody has wanted and expected from the Royals. 2020, they draft Asa Lacy, fourth overall, who had 1-1 potential. Yeah, Asa Lacy was considered, like, Asa Lacy could have been drafted first overall, and no one would have thought it was weird. He was really that good, and he was expected to be no later than third. I think there was a top three in that draft with Spencer Torkelson. Um, what's that other guy's name He Hurston could curse stat freaking weird ass name went to the Orioles second overall. And then Ace Lazy was the third guy and the Marlins who picked third overall skipped Ace Lazy. They drafted Max Meyer instead. Was that his name? And, uh, yeah, then the Royals had Ace Lacey and everyone's like, wow, great pick by the Royals. How fortunate for them to get this guy that he fell just one spot. It was like a a slam dunk, no doubt great pick by the Royals at the time. And Ace Lacy is currently missing in action or something. I don't know what's the what the deal is with him. Where is he playing? I think he's still in Arizona rehabbing or something. I don't know, but that alone doesn't sound good and just in general beyond that in in and of itself, people are saying, yeah, Asa Lacy probably not happening. Okay. So now everybody's like Stupid Royals, why'd they draft this guy? Hello, idiots. Bad, common Royals pitching development L right there. So, okay, I guess we can say that that's not a good pick. 2021, everyone's like, okay, Royals, you suck at developing pitchers. So whatever you do, do not draft a pitcher in the first round. Draft literally Anybody but a pitcher, especially a high school pitcher, that is literally the last thing you could do. If you draft a high school pitcher, that is the stupidest, worstest possible thing you can do as a franchise right now. Seventh overall pick, or was it ninth overall? They draft Frank Mazzucato, a high school pitcher, and man— I think the backlash wasn't too far off from when Will Myers got traded. Like, people were about to light cars on fire in the streets. People were freaking furious when Frank Mazzucato was drafted. Like, oh my god! What did we just freaking say? Why would you draft this guy? Do you do you hate us, Dayton Moore? Is that, is that it? Are, 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 is it? Is it because we made fun of the anti-porn seminar? Like, what is this? Why would you draft this guy? This this franchise is doomed. Never to, never again to be relevant. Never again to be good. He should be fired instantly. He should be executed in the public square today for drafting a high school pitcher. Worst possible thing that could have happened to this franchise. And now Frank Mazzucato is probably our best friend prospect in the system okay so i guess that pick was actually pretty good 2022 everyone's like okay there's a pretty good wealth of college bats in the draft especially at number nine there's basically like a top 15 that could all be college bats it's like a it's like a smorgasbord it's an all you can eat buffet of college bats at the top royals just Pick one, and we'll all be happy. There's pretty much no wrong answer right here. So the Royals, they do exactly that. They draft Gavin Cross, a college bat, and everyone's like, well, oh, respectable pick, pretty good. I like it. Good pick, Royals. And now this year, he gets off to a bad start. So once again, everyone's like, Poof. Stupid Royals. Why you draft this guy? That was clearly the wrong move. Oh my god Why can't you just draft a single? Why are you so bad at drafting? It is literally so easy to just draft a player It's actually really not that easy. Why do you keep whiffing on these freaking first-round picks? How are you so bad at this? This is why we can't have nice things. So basically Everyone's saying Royals should do one thing and then getting mad when they don't do that or getting or being happy when they do do that, but then it doesn't turn out to be the right move and then everyone gets mad. It's like the Royals literally just can't win. So basically just whatever mock drafts exist, whatever draft rankings you're look at, look, looking at, how about we just throw them all into the garbage and the Royals pick like, I don't know, the 35th best guy. In, this, in 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 the draft the 35th best prospect who' available draft Jake gelof I don't know his name sounds kind of funny is he good I have no idea but that's just it no one knows no one understands none of this makes any sense so I'm not going to play along I'm just gonna say whatever the Royals do I'll just be mad at it because that's my duty as a Royals fan to be mad at them although noble Meyer is a pretty cool name so I'll enjoy that so whatever happens we'll talk about this on Monday morning and I had a total brain fart all I need to say right now is that I'll move forward with the series against the Cleveland Guardians the series that is already in progress I'll just uh, give a preview of these next three games but first there's something I've got to add to the show And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So the Royals are one game out of four in progress against the Cleveland Guardians. That sentence did not make any sense whatsoever. That word combination was a total disaster. Let me start over. The Royals are playing a four game series against the Cleveland Guardians. They have already lost the first game because of course they did. These next three games, though, could be very interesting So who are the the Cleveland Guardians? Who is this team? Well, as a team, they are not hitting very well, which I guess is usually characteristic of Cleveland (laughs) for what it's worth. They have an 89 weighted runs created plus. That is 25th in baseball. Their slash line as a team is 248, 313, 371. That batting average is 17th, so it's about average. And then the on-base is Meh, 22nd, pretty mediocre. That slugging percentage is 27th. They have hit 56 home runs as a team. That is not just the worst in baseball, but the 29th team is the Washington Nationals, who have 13 more than that. In fact, the Royals have 20 more home runs than the Guardians, and they're in 28th. So they are not only last in home runs, but they are significantly... In dead last in home runs. In fact, actually speaking of not hitting home runs, this team might this these this kind of stat might remind you of like I don't know the 2014 Royals or something like that because they only strike out 18.9 percent of the time. That is the second best in baseball. These guys do not like striking out. They also don't like taking walks. They only they only walk eight percent of the time. That is the 25th lowest in baseball or 25th highest. It's bad. That's what I mean to say. So yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. Old school ro- Royals stats right there. And yeah, as a matter of fact, their lineup is just a uh, J Ram and Josh Nather And uh, nobody that's about it. Those are the only two like noteworthy hitters in their lineup. They're seeing major aggression from guys like Steven Kwan and Andres Jimenez who were really good last season. I mean, they're still average bats, but they were like, really good last season. So I think that's kind of why the Guardians in general are seen a, seen as a pretty disappointing team last season, even though they were a really surprising team last season. So were they actually a disappointing team? I mean I personally didn't really expect them to be all that good. I expected the regression from some of those hitters, so I don't know. Anyway, while the Guardians are not known to be a good hitting team, they are always known to be a good pitching team, and as a matter of fact they are a good pitching team, 3.86 ERA as a team that is seventh in baseball. But interestingly enough, their rotation isn't all that great. 15th overall with a 4.35 ERA, but their bullpen is fantastic. 3.12 ERA, that is second in baseball it's just, just all across the board, like they've—I feel like they have eight good relievers. Emmanuel Clay, uh, Class A—that's actually his name. Uh, despite the fact that he's having a down year, he has a 3.5 ERA. He used to have like a like the past two seasons, he had like a 1.2 ERA. So he's like actually not that good compared to <laughs> the past, but still, the rest of the bullpen is just great. Trevor Stefan, guy I've never heard of, but he's good. Eli Morgan, guy I've never heard of, but he has a 1.7 ERA. Also, shout out to um Xavion Curry. X Z-A-V-I-O-N is how you spell that first name. Someone's parents were really into Deviant art or something like that, because that is the most chaotic name that I've ever seen. But he's also really good. Nick Sandlin, Envelde Los Santos. Sam Hentges, like, they, literally, no bad relievers in this bullpen whatsoever. Um, but interestingly enough, the pitching is really good despite not having good stats, good metrics, if that's what how you want to put it. They only strike out 7.83 batters per nine innings. That is worse than the Royals. They're 28th overall in that category, but they do walk only a few guys 3.07 per 9 innings that is 11th so that's pretty good and also they don't give up home runs very often 1.03 per 9 innings that is the 5th best in baseball but interestingly their expected fielding independent pitching is 4.45 so that is significantly higher than their actual ERA so they might be overperforming a little bit we'll have to see if that uh if that's something that shows up is that's any manner of importance over this weekend. So on Friday, Guardians are going to send out Aaron Savali. pitcher with a 6.92 ERA in eight starts, 45.2 innings pitched, and he kind of defines this the whole pitching staff of the Guardians right now. 6.9 strikeouts per nine, 3.2 walks per nine, so not getting a lot of guys out with the with the with the strikeout. But also not giving up the long ball, 0.8 home runs per nine, and also not just getting hit in general, 7.5 hits per nine. So he doesn't get hit very often, he doesn't get very hit very hard, and he doesn't get barreled up very often. He just knows how to get around hitters. Four-seamer, cutter, sinker, curveball, slider, split finger. This guy has a lot of freaking pitches, even if the last two are only thrown about 7% of the time. Still, he's got, he's got some weapons. And he knows what to do with them, because his fastball doesn't move very fast, but it has but it has a lot of spin. That's the kind of thing that, that, that defines this guy. He's a big spinny guy. But let it be known that he has a 3.99 expected ERA. Yeah, his expected ERA is a, o- over a full point higher than his actual ERA. Opponents are only hitting .224 against him, but the expected batting average is .257. So... Hopefully the Royals don't look completely overmatched against him. Hopefully they can find a hole in this guy's, uh, I feel like I was trying to say something with that, but you know what? I'm going to give up on that. (laughs) Royals, meanwhile, are going to send out Daniel Lynch, 4.14 ERA in seven starts, 41.1 innings pitched. He's only given up four earned runs over his last three starts, which is 18 innings pitch. And uh, I wrote this down. This isn't special, but I just think it's like, really exciting. He has a whip of 1.234. Let's freaking go. I mean, that's not particularly good, but it's, <laughs> it's funny. So I enjoy it. And what's really interesting about Daniel Lynch is that this season so far, he has not seen a lot of lefty bats. And he might be going up against a pretty lefty heavy lineup with Jimenez, Naylor, Quan, uh, Jose Ramirez hits from both sides. So this could be really interesting. I'm not entirely sure how Daniel Lynch is going to deal with this, but we will just have to see. And then on Saturday, July 8th, Gavin Williams will be the, the starter for Cleveland. He's a right-handed pitcher with three starts so far in his entire MLB career. 3.79 ERA, 19 innings pitched. This dude is freaking gigantic. He is six foot six, 255 pounds. He was a he is he was a 23rd overall pick in 2021. So far, um, going it or not so far, going into the season, he was a 20th ranked prospect by Baseball America, and others had that had him pretty high up in their top 100s. But this is the highest ranking that I saw. He's got a guy with a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup that all grayed out well. He sits in the mid to upper 90s with command and can even touch 101. So, interesting. A little scary. Numbers don't really mean too much against this guy right now, but he's definitely going to be a guy that uh, should give the Royals some trouble. And then meanwhile, the Royals are going to send out Brady Singer and his 5.52 ERA in 17 starts. 89.2 innings pitched. Good news with Brady Singer is that he has gone six-plus innings in his last three starts and only given up one earned run in his last two starts, which is 13 innings overall, including a start against Cleveland. The one and only time he has seen Cleveland so far this season, he went six innings, gave up four hits, no runs, two walks, three strikeouts. So I'm sure he is rubbing his hands together, getting excited to face these guys again. We'll see if he can build off of that and go into the all-star break with some really, really good momentum. Three good starts in a row. Let's let's hope. And then on Sunday, Royals are going to see Shane Bieber, one of the most interesting pitchers in the league right now. He has a 3.66 ERA in 18 starts, 110.2 innings pitched. He is a workhorse guy. He, he threw exactly 200 innings last season. He was a Cy Young winner in 2020. And, in my opinion, should have been MVP in 2020. But, interestingly, he has trended way down in strikeouts since then. Like, in 2020, he threw, he struck out, like, 14 batters per nine innings or so. This season, he's striking out 7.2. He's also walking a few more guys, 2.7 per nine innings. Although, that's not too bad for what it's worth. Uh, giving up just a little over one home run per nine innings. Uh, getting hit pretty often, 8.5 hits per nine innings, is a 1.24 WHIP. Yeah, these these are not like particularly good stats, but he has a good ERA in a lot of innings pitched. So what's his secret? I actually don't know if he has a secret. You go to his Statcast page, it is blue as hell. Opponents are hitting 247 against him, but the expected batting average is 284. Which is one of the worst in baseball. He's bottom 10% in hard hit rate and exit velocity. His expected ERA is 4.9. So, yeah, the other guy who was a full point ahead with the expected ERA, he's more than, he's almost a point and a half ahead of his expected ERA. Opponents are hitting 288 against his four seamer. The expected batting average is 330. So this guy should be just getting destroyed. Somehow he is not. I don't know how he's avoided it. And also the cutter, 314 is the average against that. And the expected batting average is basically the same. or somewhere around there. He's a slider and a curveball that is doing okay, but that's only 35% of his pitches. So Shane Bieber is like the biggest scam artist in the game right now. The Guardians should trade him right now to a contender. Be like, guys, look, he is a mid-three ERA. He's really good. He's still under control for a year. Don't you just want him? <laughs> Isn't he like a great pitcher? <laughs> because man, I really wonder how long this is gonna last. So, that could be someone that the Royals uh could have some fun with. Although who knows? We say that for a lot of guys. And then they uh <laughs> They don't it turns out <laughs> That they're not very fun. Now the Royals do not have a uh, probable pitcher listed for Sunday. That should have been Zach Greinke's start, and I'm just really not sure what the plan is. It's definitely not going to be Alec Marsh because he pitched he he pitched on a like Wednesday, I think. So his next start would actually be on well, technically it would be on Monday, but there's no game on Monday. I, I, maybe they could. Do that? Maybe they could skip ahead and just go with Marsh. I feel like that might be kind of dangerous. I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, Austin Cox could be backup. Like he, he I mean, he was just all, all he was just optioned. Although, isn't there? Doesn't there have to be a delay in like you know, like if you send a guy down, you can't bring him back up after a few days? Is, isn't that a thing? I, I don't know. Maybe that's an option. Maybe the Royals are planning on doing that. Although, what would be the point of bringing him down in the first place i guess they didn't really think zach ranker would be injured but i don't know i don't think it'll be i don't think it'll be austin cox um i heard max castillo was pulled from his start in triple a omaha yesterday so maybe that's a thing maybe brad keller will be back briefly i don't know i really have no idea so (laughs) those are just some random options that the royals have for sunday's game what a great way to go into the all star break, right? Just having no idea what you're going to do on any given day. If you don't love that, you don't love Royals baseball. But if you do love Royals baseball, then consider following and subscribing and rating the podcast however you felt about it on whatever podcast platform you've chosen to listen to this on. Or you can just tell me directly how you feel about this podcast at the MFNKC or at Royal Deluxe Pod or royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'm telling you all this because that's about all I have to say for today. I hope I can see you all again on Monday when we talk about the draft a little bit and maybe this first half that the Royals had. Although, I don't know. Do we want to talk about the first half of the Royals? I don't know. Whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. I hope you have a good weekend. I'll see you all on Monday. Until then, I've been Lux, and go Royals!